everyone, and welcome to another episode of Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, a podcast conversation to share their secrets of thriving while living with chronic illness. Here's Nancy Becker. Okay. Hello there, everybody. How are you today? And welcome to Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly. I'm Nancy, the founder and president of Invisible Entrepreneurs. Did you know that one out of every two adult Americans lives with at least one chronic illness, often called hidden illnesses? The disability community is the largest minority in the world, yet instead of feeling inclusive and wrapped in camaraderie, Most of us feel alone, unvalued, and unworthy. We need doctors who understand us and colleagues and family members who believe in us when we tell them we're not feeling well. Just knowing the simple fact that we are not alone and still have much to offer can be life-changing. In this podcast, we share tips and strategies, knowledge, and support. In other words, hope for those who are looking for resources to help them maintain a thriving, successful life and business. It's always good to know that there are others out there that have dealt with similar challenges, and our guest today is going to share with us their history and what they've learned along the way. Welcome, Whitney Copeland. Thank you so much for having me, Nancy. Whitney, I know what your superpowers are, but our audience doesn't. So can you Tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do. Absolutely. So like you said, I'm Whitney Copeland, and I am a certified nutritional practitioner as well as a life coach. And based on my own personal journey with autoimmune disease, I focus my work on helping those with these kinds of invisible illnesses that you just spoke about. And so I help people with the dietary lifestyle and mindset aspects of living with chronic illness and healing from the root cause. Sounds really good. I was just on another podcast where I was interviewing someone and and we were talking about similar things. And I said, since my husband's surgery, we've had a lot of people bringing us meals to eat and things like that. And it's not been what we would fix ourselves. And I'm wondering why my stomach hurts so badly. (laughs) And it's because we're eating things that I normally wouldn't eat. So if there's anything to make me a believer, it's that because, you know, in the past I thought it's not, it doesn't matter what I eat, you know, it's just not going to do it. But now seeing what I'm eating and putting in my mouth and then seeing how my stomach is acting later, I'm going, well, maybe it really does have something to do with it. Yeah, definitely. You know, so let's talk a little bit about that. How did you get started in this? How does someone who has issues that wants to do what they can from a more natural perspective How do they get started eating the right foods? So I'll start by sharing a little bit about my journey. I had my first autoimmune diagnosis at at the age of about 13. So it wasn't a very life-threatening or life-altering condition. It's called Raynaud's syndrome. And basically my extremities will lose circulation prematurely if I am 
even walking in the frozen section at the grocery store aisle, I could have episodes of my, my fingers and hands going totally white and numb. And then years later in my early thirties, while at a midwife checkup, when I was pregnant with my second child, my midwife noticed that my thyroid gland was quite enlarged. And I very quickly got a diagnosis of Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And I had been a nutritionist for almost 10 years at that time. But when you get a diagnosis, it doesn't really matter what your background education is. You want to dive in and get updated on what can be done now to help your situation. And so because I'm a believer in a natural approach to healing as a complementary approach, of course, I immediately went to see a naturopathic doctor and I had some food sensitivity testing done and it came back with all kinds of things out of range. And I had a two-year-old and a fairly newborn at the time. And when I went in for my results, I felt like a number on a piece of paper. I was basically told to avoid 20 or 30 foods for an indefinite amount of time and handed a piece of paper that was a generic piece of paper that got handed to all patients with red ink kind of crossing out a few things that wouldn't work for me. And I was sold a bunch of supplements that were the doctor's brand and sent home. And I remember that day having to walk around the block 10 times, trying to let this soak in. How am I going to change my diet? Everything that I'm currently eating and viewing as a healthy food is now on the, the red list. And so I dove in, I started following the doctor, the naturopathic doctor's recommendations and it was very overwhelming. And I was doing online research for recipes one day. And I came across this website called autoimmunewellness.com. And it gave me some information about types of meals that I could be making. I was looking for on the go, easy solutions, having the two young kids and a pretty busy life. I needed things that I would enjoy, but would also work for my healing. And upon visiting this website, I immediately scrapped everything the naturopathic doctor had told me. And I dove deep into what these girls on this autoimmune wellness website were talking about. And it's called the autoimmune protocol. So it's a diet and lifestyle approach to healing the root cause of autoimmune disease. And the really nice thing about it is that it's complementary. So you can use it alongside what you're already doing with your medical doctor. So if you're taking medication or you're doing therapies or you're having surgery, do all of that, but do this at the same time to help your body heal from within. And I can get into more specifics about the actual diet if you would like me to, but it's not only a dietary approach. It does have lifestyle modifications to it as well. Yeah, let's talk about this. This is interesting. And, and it's something that I deal with all the time. I don't cook because 
I can't stand up. I can't reach. I was trying to, since my husband's surgery, I've been trying to do a little of myself and we have a family member here helping us. And she put coffee cups up on the top shelf. And I'm <laughs> doing this number this morning, trying to get to my coffee cup. But so I don't cook. My husband has done all of the cooking for years and years, ever since eight years ago, ever since my accident. So I am, he says he'll fix whatever I want, but I'm pretty much stuck to meat and potatoes because that's what he likes. Vegetables, forget it, you know? And so I go, well, these, and then a doctor put me on a low FODMAP diet at one point, and that was basically nothing but protein. I couldn't eat anything else. I couldn't eat my vegetables. I couldn't eat my fruit. I couldn't eat anything. So I'm saying, I don't know what to eat. You know, I, I have no clue. And now that he's had the heart surgery, he has to be on a more low fat diet. And I'm going, I, you know, I don't know what we're doing. So how do you create this diet? Does it tell you, you must eat this, you must eat this, or what kinds of things does it say? Right. So it is essentially an elimination diet where for a short period of time, the elimination phase is what they call it. Mm -hmm. You're eating the bare basics, which is a paleo style diet. So you're eating your good quality meats, your fish. They really do stress organ meats. If you can tolerate liver and things like that for the nutrient density and a wide variety of fruits and vegetables and your fats coming from coconut oil, olive oil, avocado oil, avocados, coconut milk, those types of products. And then there's a strong focus on healing the gut. So you're introducing fermented foods like sauerkrauts, traditionally prepared sauerkrauts, where they're actually fermented on the countertop for periods of time. And things like coconut yogurt. There's also bone broth which is and there's so many convenience products out there now that make this way more doable than it would have been five or 10 years ago. You can actually buy powdered bone broth on Amazon, you know, and it shows up at your doorstep and you take a tablespoon and you mix it into hot water. You can put a pinch of sea salt, maybe some lemon juice if you want. and, And you drink that down and it's really quite easy. So that is what the elimination phase of this protocol looks like, but it's only intended to last for a minimum of 30 days so that you can start to see a difference in your health Mm -hmm. and up to say 90 days. If things aren't improving within 90 days, that's where you want to have some testing done. And you mentioned you were on a low FODMAP diet, which is often used for something called SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. And if that happens, then you need to deal with that in order to start seeing the healing changes and make your diet contain more variety again. So after this initial period where you can, you know, write down your top five or 10 pain points or symptoms, rank them from one to 10, And then 30 days later, go back and see where you're at. Some people will do this on a daily basis. People who are very regimented and 
they'll do the food journaling and the symptom journaling to really see what's impacting them. And once you're at a new baseline and you're feeling much better, you start to bring foods back in. And there is a systematic approach to bringing the foods back in because some foods are more likely to be reactive than others. So you're gonna add some safe foods back in first. And then as time goes on, you'll experiment with, you know, the trickier foods like the group of vegetables called the nightshades, Mm -hmm. which, you know, they're the eggplant, tomato, peppers, white potatoes, that kind of thing. They tend to have more of an inflammatory effect, especially for those with joint pain or skin irritations like psoriasis, that kind of thing. So that is how you're essentially eliminating the foods, finding your new baseline, adding foods back in systematically. And that way you can see which foods are impacting your body. And it's funny because I've had so many clients say to me, I'm fine with whatever food, maybe dairy, maybe gluten, whatever it is, but your body is so adaptive that because you've been eating it for so long, it started to kind of put up its own defenses and you become very used to eating it. So if you think about somebody who has a beer for the first time and they get really drunk from one beer, but then they build up a tolerance and maybe a year after they started drinking, they can now drink three beers and now they're not feeling drunk anymore. That's the same thing with foods that your body is reacting to you're building up a tolerance. So you're not noticing the impact that they're having. But when you remove them and add them back in, it can be very surprising to see mm-hmm. how your body responds. Yeah, really interesting. And I'm, I'm thinking this whole time while we're talking, because, you know, I know I'm I'm allergic to a lot of the kinds of things that you were talking about. Believe it or not, I'm allergic to coconut. I'm allergic to celery. I've, I've gone through all of these tests with all of these foods. I'm allergic to nuts. I'm allergic to dairy. I'm, you know, all of these. And I'm going, I eat a lot of them anyway, because they're there. They're what's put in front of me and I eat them and I'm going, this really could be why my stomach hurts so bad all the time because I eat this stuff, but it's fascinating to, to hear about these things. And it seems, and we were talking about this on the earlier podcast too, uh, journaling, writing them down, putting onto paper, the different things you notice, you need to be really aware if you want to be better, you know, it's, it's like, it's only recently I've realized, well, when I, I can eat a tomato, but if I eat tomato sauce or tomato paste, I get sick. If I eat, you know, something else, I get sick. If I eat ice cream, I get sick. And, and it's, it's, but you're so generally, you're so not paying attention to what you're eating. You know, you just eat that you don't realize that it's really having an effect. But if you write down and same thing with my sugars, I noticed when I was writing down and keeping track of everything I ate and the number of carbs in them, that I was much better able to control my diabetes than I am now when I'm not 
you know, my doctor said, you're under insulin, you don't need to worry about it, just eat whatever you want to eat within limits. And so I've been eating. And so now I'm wondering why my sugars are going up to 600. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love that you mentioned that though, because body awareness is something that us folks with chronic conditions have to become aware of if we want to get better. And it starts with the body awareness of how foods are impacting us, but then it moves into how is our mind, how are our thoughts about living as a person with chronic illness also impacting us Interesting. and our thoughts about whether or not healing is possible for us, because that's where it really starts. You have to believe that healing is possible in order to commit to a diet like the autoimmune paleo diet. If you don't believe it's possible for you, it's going to be very hard to make those dietary changes. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. What else does it make sense for us to do and know about with eating and with dietary aids and all of that kind of stuff? Should we buy organic? Should we buy grass fed? You know, are are those things at all important? We want to start where we're at and it's going to be different based on your income. It's going to be different based on where you live and what's available to you. So cleaning up your diet would be when you can going for the organic version. And you can look up resources like the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. That's going to tell you what you need to prioritize for organic. The dirty, the dirty dozen are those that are going to be more heavily sprayed with the pesticides. And the clean 15 are those that you can, you know, buy the, the conventional and save yourself a few bucks. Same thing with meat. If you can buy the ethically raised hormone free, do that. But if you're in a bind, you're still going to get protein by eating the conventional. And same thing with fish. If you're going wild fish or farm fish, the wild fish is great. But if you don't have access to that at your grocery store, go for the canned fish as an option if you need to. As much nutrient density as possible is kind of the overall message. Eat things that are in their most whole form and as fresh as possible but don't beat yourself up over that. Food preparation is another thing to consider. If you don't have the budget or the access to be eating a really clean paleo style diet all of the time, you can soak your grains in water overnight. You can soak your beans in water overnight. You can use a pressure cooker to cook these things to make them more digestible. So it's really little tricks like this that can help your food budget go a longer way. And also when things aren't available, make what is available work best for your body. And you know, that's, it's going back to something you said a a few minutes ago. It's, it's not easy. This is not easy. You need to commit to this stuff. You know, it's, it's like, At least at first, you got to figure out what it is you're doing and you've got to make a plan and and you can't just go buy a hot dog or something. You know, you've really got to 
put your mind into it and say, it's worth the effort. You know, it comes down to, do you really want to feel better or do you just want to have the lifestyle and the habits that you've had? Exactly. And that's why I said it all starts with the mind. First, you have to make a decision that healing is possible for you and that you want to get better. And when you're confident in that, you can start looking for the solutions that are going to work best for your lifestyle. And the way that I work with clients is we try and keep their diet and lifestyle as similar as possible to what they're used to. So we'll make swaps for tacos and waffles and chicken tenders and fries, and we'll just use healthier alternatives. And we're so lucky this day and age because there are so many bloggers who have posted recipes for you name it. If you go on, Pinterest is one of my favorites to use because it's a nice one-stop shop. Mm -hmm. You type in autoimmune protocol friendly waffles. You'll get 10 recipes, muffins, pancakes, pizzas, breads, anything that you want to make. But it takes an open mind because taste and texture is not going to be the exact same. But we have to keep in mind that our taste buds do adjust. Like it's scientifically proven that our taste buds can adapt to new things. And if we are focused on healing and feeling better, we can definitely overcome the different tastes and textures that these foods offer. Well, and and that's, an interesting point, and I have a I have a good show for that. It's I used to drink three, two, three cokes a day, every single day. Then I got diabetes, and I went off of cokes totally. And I had not had a coke in probably fifteen years. Then I got this stress with my husband worrying about his heart surgery, and I started drinking a coke again. And I had the first one and I've, I've drank three or four of them now, but it just doesn't taste how I remembered it. And I don't like it and I don't want it. And it was just, it was, it was a habit that came back from years ago when I was so stressed about different things. And, and back then, if I drank a Coke, I felt better, you know, so it was all up here and I'm in. Yeah, so that does, it proves that you're absolutely right. Your taste buds do change. And now there's nothing better than water. It still doesn't calm my stress. But, <laughs> but stress is another huge area. So like I said, the autoimmune protocol has the dietary component and the lifestyle component. And in the lifestyle component, we look at stress. We look at movement. We look at time spent outdoors. We look at social connections, community and support and our quality of sleep. Like these are all things that matter when it comes to healing. And something that I've noticed with myself after going through all of these, you know, the dietary protocol and getting to a point where I'm quite satisfied with what I'm eating and it's quite diversified now if I have a flare in my thyroid, I always want to blame it on the food. But when I take a step back and I don't buffer with chocolate or everybody has their own buffer, it could be social media, it could be Netflix, it could be anything, you name it. 
if I, if I stop and I take some time, I can see, oh, the kids were up a couple nights this week. So my sleep was disrupted. Oh, I had a couple of interviews and, you know, I pushed myself out of my comfort zone a couple of times. My stress level was elevated. Mm-hmm. And then I can start to see like, it wasn't my diet this week that impacted. And so I'm actually in the process of putting together a sheet that I can offer. It's like an assessment. Oh, I like that. And you have a flare, stop and do this. Go through this assessment, look at the different areas. It might be more than one area, but with autoimmune disease or chronic conditions, it wasn't just one thing that caused it, right? We have, sometimes our genetics are involved. We have environmental triggers like bacteria and viruses. We have accidents. We have all kinds of things that can happen in our life. Mm -hmm. So why would we think that when we're having a flare that it's one specific thing causing it? Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I can see... You know, and, and it, it can be cyclical too. I mean, for me, I am in a horrible flare right now, but it's it started out with the stress, with worrying about him and going through that whole thing. It then picked up with the food I'm eating because I know darn well I'm eating things I probably shouldn't be eating. And then it also picks up with I'm not sleeping because I'm worried. And, you know, you add, you have to add in all of these things together. It's not just one issue. Mm-hmm. So... Do you recommend that people keep journals? I think it is an individual decision because like I said, when I work with my clients, I want them to keep things as comfortable and as joyful as possible in their life to make things sustainable. So if journaling resonates with you, if you enjoy it, or Maybe you don't know if you enjoy it and you try it and you get a feel for whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. It can be extremely helpful. And I learned something about how our thoughts impact our feelings and how we act as humans based on how we feel. So if we can journal about how we're feeling and then take a moment to think what thoughts are going through my head to create this feeling in my body. Just like when we go back to the root cause with healing the body, we need to go to the root cause and the root cause is our thoughts when it comes to how we feel. Things enter our subconscious mind and they're on autopilot. Sometimes I'll catch myself thinking about something stressful, either, you know, while I'm cleaning up the kitchen at night or while I'm lying in bed and I'll snap myself out of it and I'll ask, myself, how long was I on that train for? How long was I taking myself down that deep, dark hole to the worst possible case scenario? And once you can gain awareness around this and choose the thought that you want to think that elicits a more positive vibration in your body, I love it. that is a great way to start managing your stress. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just thinking too, people may not like writing, but they could do a video journal. They could do, you know, all kinds of things because I personally believe that 
in order to start to see changes and in order to start to see habits becoming new habits or getting rid of old habits, they have to be top of mind. You can't just, you know, and what's the best way to keep something top of mind is, is to see it. And, you know, if you can write it or you can speak it or you can, you know, do a recording on your, on your phone or something so that you've got something that you can play back and go, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. I remember doing that. Okay. You know, it's going to kickstart you. Yes. And it also helps you see your progress. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. You're amazed when you go back and read something from just a month ago and you see how far you've come just by gaining awareness and starting to pay attention to your thoughts. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's probably one of the hardest things we need to do is actually start paying attention to what our bodies are telling us. You know, I think that's really important. We have actually gone over time just a little bit. Um, is there anything that we haven't talked about? that you think we should know? Like I said, it's individual for everybody. I want everybody to know that healing is possible when you make the decision that you want to. And I know not everybody has a huge support system around them. And that is essentially why I became a coach for people with autoimmune and chronic illness, because I saw a gap when I had my diagnosis all of the information and the implementation. How was I going to get from point A to point B? And that is what I help people do. So I'm here to support. I offer free things every month. So if you want to find me on Instagram, you can see all of the free resources that I do provide. I also have a YouTube channel. And then I do work one-on-one -on -one as a coach in an online capacity with clients. And all of that will be on the show notes. So people can just click through and, and get into those because I think the diet is, is really important and interesting. And I would like to see what all you've got on your Instagram about that. And I'm sure that there are other things that other people have picked up on that they would like to connect with you on. So thank you so much for talking with us today, sharing all of this wonderful information. I really appreciate it. People, please, if you heard something today that you're interested in, want to find out more, reach out to Whitney. I'm sure she would be able to steer you in the right direction on things. Thank you so much. To wrap things up, Often after a podcast, people want to know more about some of the things that we're doing at Invisible Entrepreneurs. And if you'd like to hop on a Zoom with me, my contact info is also in the show notes. If you would like to hear something specific in a podcast in the future, let me know. Comment on it in, in the podcast. You know, tell us, I'd like to hear this and this and this. Share this episode and all of the other episodes that are out there, share with your colleagues, friends, and family. I'm sure there are wonderful things to be learned. And until we get together next time, get out there, be productive, and soar higher. Feel well, guys, and take care. And we will talk again soon. Bye-bye, y'all. Bye. -bye,